0: This uh, regularly scheduled program to bring you the following announcement. There's a maroon F 150 whose lights are left on outside, just in case that's you, you might want to pop on out there. Hey, I was just commenting this morning that um, to someone that we are the church of the unpolished. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, But we love Jesus. (laughs) That's what's really important this morning. My name's Steve, I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Center. And I'm so excited. We're in a new series called Galatians. As a matter of fact, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Galatians chapter 1. That's going to be kind of ground zero for us today. And we are going to break open that book. And I am super excited about this whole series. It's subtitled, Set Free to Live Free. And actually, Galatians is, is one of the newest letters written in the New Testament, one of our oldest books uh, in the New Testament. And it was actually written uh, not to a church, but actually to a region, um, a region that was under control by Rome. And this region was in south-central Turkey, and the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to believers living in that region and I'll give a little bit more history about that in a moment. But I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you ever had to make a decision that it seemed like no matter what decision you made, it was going to be the wrong decision? Has anyone ever had to make that decision? I mean, in the last couple of years, I think most of us can relate to that. I know I can. Um, Do you get vaccinated or you don't get vaccinated? I mean, that's Uh, You know, if you got vaccinated, then the anti-vaxxers were upset. If you didn't get, then the vaccinated, I mean, you just couldn't win. Mask, no mask. Uh, It's like the Kobayashi Maru if you're a Tureki. It's a no-win scenario. And to some extent, the people that lived in this region of Galatia were in a bit of a no-win scenario. They were having a difficult time, and this is why uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter. He wrote it to a bunch of believers who were stuck between a rock and a hard place. Um, You need to understand that because this was a Roman province, that there was a lot of idol worship, okay? So everyone had their own idol in their homes, in the marketplace, There were parades. Uh, All these gods were worshiped. And so you have these new believers who have now, they're now following Jesus. They're no longer partaking in idol worship, idolatry. And, And that's a good thing. However, it was believed by most of the people of Galatia that. You had to follow these gods. You had to sacrifice to these gods because if you didn't, then your community would suffer. There would be some great calamity. So you can imagine that if you lived in the province and the region of Galatia, when something bad happened, who were you going to blame? You were going to blame these new believers who were not sacrificing the way they were supposed to. So on one hand, you have pagans, uh, you know, uh, non-followers of Jesus that are struggling with these new believers. But then you have the Jewish people. And the Jewish people came from Jerusalem, and they told the, the Galatian believers that they needed to get circumcised and follow the Torah, follow the law. So they had moved from idolatry to trusting in Jesus in grace alone, and now there were believers coming from Jerusalem saying, now you have to add to it the law. Now, just to put things in perspective, imagine if you were a Jew in that day. You had been under captivity for centuries. Ever since Babylon, you've been dominated, controlled, subjugated. That was the world they lived in. And sometimes it's easy to think, oh, the Jews, how could they do that? And yet, imagine if your family... Was subjugated. Imagine if you lived under that kind of dominance. And see, when the Galatian believers left the idolatry, they were not exempt from the idolatry. In other words, Rome actually mandated that you worship idols. So this was not an easy place for these Galatian believers to be in because they were essentially breaking the law. Now, the Jewish people were exempt from idol worship. So can you imagine if you were you know, Jewish people, you were exempt from idol worship, and all of a sudden you have these new people that are turning to Jesus, and they're, they're following Jesus, and they're not worshiping idols. All of a sudden, the heat of Rome is now getting toward, its, it's, it's gaze is upon Galatia. And I'm sure that the Jewish people started to feel like, hey, we're going to get persecuted again. And so they were telling these new believers, get circumcised, convert to Judaism, follow the Torah, add the law. And so Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote this letter to the region of Galatia. And the emphasis of the letter is, don't go back under the yoke of slavery. It is not by works. It is by grace and grace alone. And this is why this was the Magna Carta for Martin Luther during the Reformation. Galatians was his book. It's where he felt compelled to challenge the, the, the teachings of the Catholic Church of the day is because it was grace and grace alone. And he found that in Galatians in reading this letter that Paul wrote. And so let's just open up and read the first verse, few verses. Paul, an apostle, and then he goes on to say, "'My apostleship does not derive from human sources, "'nor did it come through a human being. "'It came through Jesus, the Messiah.'" The God, the Father who raised him from the dead. And God, the Father who raised him from the dead. The Apostle Paul is saying here, my apostleship is not coming from man. Because one of the things that the the Jewish believers were saying was, you shouldn't listen to the Apostle Paul because his apostleship is not valid. He didn't receive it from Jesus. You see, to be an apostle, you had to get it directly from Jesus, and he did not. And so the apostle Paul spends more time in Galatians than any other book talking about himself, not in a bragging way, but he needs to assure them that his apostleship came from Jesus, and that's why he goes into detail here. And the family who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Jesus the Messiah our Lord, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory to the ages of ages. Amen. I want to pause there for a moment. Because I want you to understand something. In the Bible, you're going to see a couple phrases, especially in the New Testament. It's this present evil age and the age to come. You're going to see that sprinkled throughout the New Testament. Because for first century believers in Jesus and for Jews... And by the way, Paul did not look at himself as someone that converted from Judaism to Christianity. To him, it was the same. And it should be to us as well. He was a son of Abraham. And so when you see rescue us from this present evil age, what it means is that the the Jewish people believe that they were currently in an evil age. That since the Babylonian captivity, for centuries, they had been under domination. But that one day, the Messiah would come, and he would deliver them, rescue them from this present evil age. So they believed in two ages. Uh, That... Present evil age in which they were living, and then the age to come where the Messiah would come and there would be a new creation. And so that's why Paul makes it clear here. He gave Himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. He would usher in a new creation. A lot of times, as Western believers, we tend to think about when we die, we go to heaven. And that's true. I believe that with all my heart. But for the first century believer, they didn't look at it quite like that. In other words, their emphasis was not on going to heaven. Their emphasis was that when the Messiah came, God would begin again his creation. And that actually, God would dwell with man And bring down a new heaven and a new earth. And there would be a new creation. It would spring forth from the resurrection of the Messiah. And things would change in the world. Where there was hate, there would be love. Where there was greed, there would be generosity. And the world would begin to change. And do you understand that that's where we come in? You see, even though Jesus' body ascended into heaven, the body of Christ remains. That's you and me. And we ought to be about ushering in this new creation. Now, obviously, it will be fulfilled when Jesus returns. But in the meantime, it's somewhat easy for us as believers to just have this escape mentality. Oh, I can't wait for the Lord to return. Uh, The trumpet will sound and we'll... God wants us to be interested right now in loving our neighbor. He wants us to be interested right now in taking care of the needy. He wants us right now to get rid of racism. He wants us right now to be united. He wants us right now to love each other. He wants that new creation to spring forth through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul believed. And that's why he intertwined that throughout the book of Galatians, and we're going to see more of that. But I want to make a few points out of Galatians chapter 1 that I think are key for us today. And chapters 1 and 2 are kind of a long introduction into Galatians. And then he moves into how does this new creation come about? How do we live in such a way that it springs forth this new creation that God wants to usher in? But until we get there, we're going to review 1 and 2. And you might think, well, let's hurry and get through 1 and 2 and get to the meat. Except that there's so much good stuff in chapters 1 and 2. And so we don't want to overlook them. Number one, God set Paul apart for his apostleship before he was ever born. Paul was not a reaction um, to a bunch of slow disciples that were not getting out into the world and spreading the, world, you know, the gospel into the whole world. That's not why God called the Apostle Paul. It was not this knee-jerk reaction because these guys are not doing it. No. The Apostle Paul was called from before the beginning of the world. God knew he would be there, and he planned for him to be there. And it says in Scripture, But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. See, Paul was called before he was ever born. What does that have to do with you and I? Well, let's go on. But the Lord, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. This is talking about us, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So just as the apostle Paul was called, you are also called, you are also created for good works. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim My name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Uh, You get in the sense that he's chosen, he's called. And then it goes on to say this. You did not choose me, again talking to you and I, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of my father in the name of... In, in my name he may give to you. You see, he was chosen and he was called. You are chosen and you are called. And there's a Greek word. And both the word chosen and called come from this Greek word. It's, it's a word that um, is simply enlego in the Greek. And it means to call out. But it's not just, uh, you know, to randomly call out but it's actually to be called out of a group. So it was like when you were in grade school, I don't know if you remember this, and maybe they don't even do this anymore, but I remember we had a game called Soak 'em, where you would basically throw, the, it's like dodgeball. And I remember being in a line of people and there'd be two over, people over there and they would start selecting and you were just praying that you wouldn't be the last person selected. How many of you were the last person selected? I was toward the end. But that's what this word means. It means to be called out of a group of people. In the classical Greek, this word is actually used to describe a small band of soldiers called out of an army to go do a specific task. That's what the word called means in Lego. You have been in Lego. You have been called. You have been chosen by God before you were ever born. And you might sit here in this room thinking, that just can't be. It is. It is true. It is good news that you were planned with a purpose. A purpose that is so significant that if it's not done, there will be something left undone in the world because God is truly counting on you. It says in the scriptures, I looked for someone to stand in the gap, but but I could find no one to do it. And so my judgment fell. See, there was someone that was supposed to stand in the gap, but they didn't do it. God has called each of us. I don't know what your calling is. I don't know what you've been chosen to do. But I do believe if you seek God, he will reveal it to you. And I believe we have callings that, that can be kind of bigger rock callings that, you know, are major life callings. But honestly, what is God calling you to do today to bring about this new creation? What is he calling you to do tomorrow? Who is he calling you to just love today? It's not like God just dropped, you know, something in my lap and said, you're going to go preach to people. You know, it started with a daily listening to him and saying, God, what would you have me do today? What would you have me to do today? And the more I listened, the more I recognized his voice, and the more I heard him, the more I felt the enlecho of God, the called out, the chosen And I believe the same is true for you, just as it was for the Apostle Paul. He was a man just like we are. He was a human, but God empowered him and he wants to empower you as well. God called Paul during a time where it would seem like he was the most um, difficult to reach. I mean, he was actually on his way to murder Christians when Jesus actually knocked him off his horse. And spoke to him. Why do I bring that up? I I bring that up because you might be praying for someone right now. And you might think it is impossible that they would ever come to know the Lord. Oh man, I tell you what, I have thought that. And yet, as I've continued to pray, and I've continued to have faith, Continue to ignore my feelings and, and believe even when my feelings were telling me otherwise. I've seen people that I thought it would be impossible for them to come to faith, and yet they did. And Maybe you have someone that you're praying for. Would you just consider this a reminder to keep praying for them? You might even be in this room, and you might even be someone that someone else is praying for that you would receive Jesus. I hope you feel his love for you this morning. Number two, Paul is radically a new man whose change can only be accounted for by the risen Christ. says this, he who is used to persecute us is now preaching the faith. The guy that was once killing Christians, persecuting Christians, is now preaching Christianity, preaching about Jesus. He once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. His life radically changed through coming to Jesus. He went from someone that was hostile, someone that was just trying to live the, the best possible life he could live according to the law. And in so doing, was actually persecuting Jesus, the Messiah. As a matter of fact, he, he wasn't persecuting Jesus, was he? I mean, really. And yet Jesus says, Why are you persecuting me? Who is he killing? Who was Paul killing? His name was Saul at the time, later changed to Paul, but Saul was actually killing believers. And yet Jesus said, Why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, Why are you persecuting my church? He didn't say, Why are you persecuting believers? He says, Why are you persecuting me? He who touches One of mine touches the apple of my eye because I love them so much. You see, Jesus so identifies with us, he calls us the body of Christ. We are his ambassadors on this planet. Every one of us. He has no hands but ours, no feet but ours, no voice but ours, no eyes but ours. And we are part of the revolution of this new creation that wants to burst forth onto our planet. How are we doing? Number three, and this is where we're going to get to take communion today, and I'm so glad and so thankful for that. Paul knew he was part of God's family by grace alone. You see, he recognized it was not by works. As a matter of fact, he says this, I marvel that you are turning away, talking to the Galatian believers who have turned back to the law, I marvel, I'm amazed that you are turning away so soon from Him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. He was stunned and amazed that they were leaving grace and going back to the law. See, the law was never meant to save us It was only a schoolmaster who would bring us to the Messiah. But it could take us no further than the feet of Jesus. And then it would take a sacrificial death of a perfect man to regain what was lost, which was perfection. And that's exactly what Jesus did. See, condemnation reminds us of who we are not, that voice in your head that's always saying you don't measure up, you'll never be good, you know, you'll this, you'll that. But conviction reminds us of who we are in Jesus. Conviction is the Holy Spirit working in our lives saying you are more than a conqueror through Christ because he loves you. It's it's the scripture that says I will hold your right hand do not be afraid I am with you. You are not the tail but you are the head you are not behind but you are in front. That's who Jesus wants you to see. In Romans 6 he says reckon yourselves dead to sin. Reckon yourselves dead to sin. What does that mean? It means that the same faith that you had when you accepted Jesus, use that faith to believe that you can overcome sin in your life. You see, the resurrection power of Jesus has been born in all those who have called upon his name. And he says, if you have died with me, then you have also risen with me. Did you hear that? If you've died with me, then you've also risen with me. In other words, the power to overcome sin, it is within all of us, and we have to believe it. We have to walk in it. We do not live in worthy world. We live in graceland. That's just the reality. We will never be worthy enough. We'll never do enough works. We'll never follow the law perfectly. And And sometimes making a list of do's and don'ts actually gives power to sin because your focus is on sin. But when your focus is on the Savior, the one who is without sin, it's His grace that grows the church. It's His grace that grows our faith. It's His grace that gives us the power and the strength to overcome sin. It's his grace that allows us to be part of spreading this new creation across the planet that will be culminated in the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus. It's the direction, not perfection. What's the direction of your heart today? Are you serving the Lord, loving him, receiving his grace, or are you trying to earn it? You can never earn it. Just this week, um, I had my infusion. I get it every three weeks, and the Katie gently, Seacrest, puts the IV in, and puts my, what I call my go juice in, in my body, my antibodies, and uh, I'm tethered to this machine that's on a roller. And so I'm kind of limited to where I can go, and so I'll just kind of take my dance partner around with me throughout the day as I'm getting this stuff put in my body. And uh, at some point when I'm done, she'll come over and she'll remove the IV and she'll take it out. And this last week, I knew I needed to come downstairs, but I was upstairs in our office and I had been up there all day you know I had meetings and I was meeting with people and so I was walking back and forth with my dance partner um, but I never came downstairs because it's too difficult to get that thing down the stairs but I needed to come downstairs and, and she had already removed the IV but in my head because I had been tethered to it for hours in my head I still believed I was tethered to that IV And then I'm like, wait a minute, I can go downstairs. I'm not tethered to the IV anymore. And I got up and I went downstairs. Sometimes that's the way it is for us. We think that we cannot overcome this sin. We think it's too big in our life. And mentally, we allow it power. But Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is actually made perfect in your weakness. He says that you have been buried with him, and if you've been buried with him, then you've been raised with him. Reckon yourselves dead to sin. Believe it. The enemy will always attack your mind. So, this morning, two things. One, you do have the power to overcome sin through Christ and the resurrected Christ but we will never be perfect this side of Jesus return and until that time we have to rely on his grace it's his perfection not ours so do me a favor would you take out your elements of communion this morning and if you didn't Receive any this morning. Just raise your hand. Someone will bring you one by. I believe that Jesus, his mandate for us, really the only the only ritual that Jesus initiated. Um, I mean, he endorsed the cleansing and the baptism. But this was the only thing he actually created and said, do this. And it was communion. And communion is a time where we get a chance to remember. Remember that we're not perfect. But God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for the direction of your heart towards him when Adam was six years old my oldest and Micah was two um, we had this thing that we'd do as dad and son Adam and I Uh, we had a kid in youth group that had a disease neurofibromatosis type 2 and it slowly removed his capacities and, and one of the things it took from him was his hearing And so I had to learn sign language to communicate with him. And I learned, I love you. Practice it. I love you. I love you. And so every day when I would leave for work, Adam would run out the door and get on the balcony. And he'd go like this because I was in the car. He couldn't say it to me. So whenever we couldn't speak it to each other, we'd sign it. We still do that to this day, all of my boys and I. But one morning, I was waiting for Adam to come out, and he didn't come out. And out came Micah, who was only two. And he'd watched his older brother in this ritual for quite some time, and he held up his hand. But his fingers weren't all in the proper places. But I knew what he was doing. I knew he was saying, I love you, Dad. I love you. I didn't care that he didn't have it perfect. What I cared about was that he loved me and that he was moving towards me, that he was showing me that he loved me. That's what communion is. We bring our imperfection to him and we say, We love you. And we remember that it's Jesus is the is the reason that we can even stand before a holy, just, righteous God. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "Take, eat. This is my body." which is broken for you. Hey, and when you do this, remember me. Don't remember your sin. Don't remember your failure. Remember my grace. This is Jesus' body broken for you. Would you please take it? He comes. When we do this, we are reminding anyone who would watch that it is not about us. It's about Jesus. And we also remind people, He's coming back. And this is a vigil for us. We hold a vigil that says, hey, in this life, you will make mistakes. You will fail. You will fall. You will sin. But there is a Savior who loves you, who came and who died to take away your sins. His name is Jesus. And this is his blood poured out for you. Go ahead and take. bow your heads if you would Lord this morning as we look at Galatians 1 we're thankful that we're called in Lego that we are called out ones that before we were ever born you had a plan for each one of us we're thankful that when we receive you that our life changes and we're grateful for that that your Holy Spirit is working in us but Lord, we recognized that we as humans will fail. And that's the reason you came so that your grace would abound. And so Lord, this morning we thank you and we worship you because you are worthy of all praise. And everyone said, Amen. Let's stand and worship the Lord together.